second queue. Whew. <laughs> it's pretty hard to follow that though. Because <laughs> I'm like, whoo. <laughs> I had not heard all of that story. I'd heard bits about it. And uh, yeah, God's good. So exciting. It's so exciting that God's at work. And you hear it in, in people's lives. And, it's, and I've heard it in so many different stories this week. It's been such a privilege because, you know, I kind of doing the work that God's called us to do, me to do. Uh, and you hear these stories, and I'm sure others have heard them at, at life groups and with friends. And you're like, yes, God's at work. God's kingdom's advancing. And we celebrate. <sighs> Praise God. But you know, some, sometimes we can be there and we can, and we can have that, that just sense of, well, what, what if nothing has happened to us? What, what about if you haven't been healed? What about if you've gone to the conference and, you, and your marriage, it's, it seems like it's still a mess? Or what if your kids are, are rebelling still? And what if you haven't got a job? Or what if like for like we were for 15 years. What if you're still childless before we, adop we adopted our two? And I, I want to encourage us this morning, hopefully. I'm going to look at Matthew 11, um, if you want to turn to it. Just a few verses. I want to encourage us through these verses in Matthew 11 that, that wherever we are, I want to encourage us that God is at work. God is still at work, and maybe not in ways that we expected or hoped. And maybe there are times when we just don't get it. Like, like when we get healed and then we suffer, we suffer bereavement and grief. And then it's like, and we're back to square one. And why? Why? They're real questions. They're real questions. And, 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 and we have to ask those questions and we have to be real. And the Bible's real. The Bible's real. Oh, man. <laughs> we were at a party last night, and Debbie said, Mark never has any emotion. <laughs> All right, let's read, it. let's read the first few verses of Matthew 11. Uh, just from verses 2 to 6. When John heard in prison what, what Christ was doing... He sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you see and hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. I'll just leave that up for a few moments. Here's John the Baptist. You, like, you know the story. John the Baptist is the one who confidently announced Jesus' arrival. It's only a few chapters before in Matthew's Gospel, and you read it in the other Gospels as well. You know, the Jews were expecting a Messiah for a long, long time. And now he's on the scene. Now John is here. And he's announcing the Messiah is coming. And so Matthew chapter 3, we, we hear him. Uh, and he's, he's kind of proclaiming this, and he says, 
this in verse 11, Matthew chapter 3. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. All right, he is... He's out there. John is like this wild guy. He's, he's, he's just passionate about God. And you read the accounts of him, and you just get that passion coming through. You know, he's been waiting for this Messiah. And the Jews have been waiting for a Messiah for a long time. And now he's here, and you kind of get the feeling John is like, he's going to be the man. And they're expecting this, like, kick-ass Messiah. <laughs> you. You hear it in John's word. That's what he's doing. He's winning fox in his hand. He'll clear his threshing floor. You know, the, the Jews were waiting for this person to deliver them. They'd been under this oppression, and they were under oppression from the Roman Empire. And, uh, and now, you know, John's like, he's here. He's coming. He's going to sort everything out. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees are coming, Matthew 3. And John says, oh, you brood of vipers who want you to flee from the coming wrath. You know, he's like, this is it. And, whoa, man, fearsome. And, and John will have known the scriptures. John will have been holding on to passages like Isaiah 34 um, and 35 and, and verses 3 to 4, which is talking about the Messiah coming. And it's saying, strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your Lord, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. So, and, and, and Dave was talking the other week, uh, last week, about how the expectation was that this was going to be a, a big political movement. This was going to be a time when things got sorted out, when the nation of Israel, God's people, were restored to their rightful place. So they had these expectations of what God was going to do. And it's been proclaimed. And John proclaims it. But now, in Matthew 11, John's in prison. And, and probably even, I mean, he, he went to prison, we find out later on, in, in 14, I think, um, because he, he dared to speak out against Herod. And he, he was proclaiming the righteousness of God. He was saying, Herod, your life, you sh you've, you've taken a wife, it's your brother's wife, you've divorced your wife, you know, it's wrong. It's wrong. And Herod said, you're in prison. And that's where John is. But, John, but John's probably initially confident He's like, you know what, I don't care because the Messiah's here and God's going to sort it out. And he's full of faith. He's full of faith. And he's full of confidence that Herod's going to be defeated because Jesus is here. The Messiah's here. And so he waits and he waits and he waits. And then he starts to hear the messages back of what Jesus is doing. And people are coming and saying, well, did you know Jesus is, is saying the meek will inherit the earth. And, and the peacemakers are the ones who are going to be blessed. And John's going to be like, what? I don't get that. And, and he said about our enemies, we should love our enemies. And do you know what? He met a Roman centurion and he healed his servant. A Roman 
centurion. He's going to hear these stories coming back of what Jesus has taught. And you can read about them in the early chapters of Matthew up to this point. And these are the things that Jesus has been doing. And it says in verse 2, when John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he's got questions. He's got questions. He doesn't get it. This isn't what he expected God to be like. Because all these things are going on and he is still in prison. And we know he's going to die there. But right now, he's still in prison. And all these things are going on. And he is beginning to doubt. He is beginning to doubt. Because this, this Jesus isn't fitting in to his mindset of what it, he should be like. And that's how we can feel. That's how we can often feel when we look at our lives. And the truth is, we can hear, I mean, this is true, we can hear stories of what God has done in people's lives. And we can be genuinely pleased for them, but we can be overwhelmed by just a sense of, but God, what about me? Because I, I don't see it in my life. We heard of many stories of people who had children, and sometimes miraculously, and sometimes people who've been struggling with childlessness. And, and there's a happiness for them, there is, but there's an overwhelming pain. What about us? Why have you left us? Why? We don't get it, God. We don't get it. And we start to doubt. Is God really there? Does God really love me? I mean, for some of us, maybe it even stops us coming to faith at all. Because we think, I just cannot bring myself to follow follow someone like that. Maybe for some of us, a close family member dies, perhaps at a young age, and we just think, why, God? Why have you allowed it? Why? And, and, and so maybe we do follow, but maybe, maybe we just can't understand what our, what our life is like it is, and, and our passion begins to die. We still attend. We still sit in the same seats. The passion's gone, the life's gone, the faith's gone. Sometimes that's how it is. Sometimes that's how it is. And, 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 and that's where John was. He's no longer clear. He was a passionate guy, a guy full of faith. Now he's confused and doubting. I mean, that's the reality. And, and in a sense, that's okay. <laughs> it's, where we, it's what we do with that. In a sense, John shouldn't have been surprised. And, and, and we shouldn't, but that's not to bring condemnation <laughs> on him or us. Because actually, that's always how God has worked out his plans and purposes. It's always a mixture. It's God's kingdom's advancing. Uh, as, again, Dave said it so well last week in the whole thing of the wheat and the tares. God's kingdom advances, and it's not, it's not a straight path. It's not like victory all the way. It, it seems to happen, and God's kingdom moves, and, and evil tends to thrive as well. And, 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 and it's like two steps forward, one step back, we're not sure. We see it all the way through the Bible. It can be really hard to see it when you're in a dark place. 
can be really hard to see it. I'm going to just give us a, like a, I don't know how long it's going to take, maybe seven minutes. Overview of the whole Bible. All right. Whole Bible. Seven minutes. <laughs> I haven't timed it. It might be, might be eight. might be six. But this, this is what God does in the house. <laughs> People are like, <laughs> this is what God does. You see, in Genesis, God promises Abraham land for his descendants to live in. He promises him that. He promises him many descendants as well. And that they would be a blessing to everyone. But straight away, we have problems. Sarah is barren. Sarah is childless. And she stays like that for year after year after year after year. Finally, finally, at an old age, she has a son, Isaac, who marries Rebecca, who's also childless for a long time. And they were nomads. They were wandering around in the land of promise, seemingly going nowhere, going round and round in circles, getting back to the same place time and time again. It looked so discouraging. But God was at work. And finally, it looked like God was beginning to fulfill his promises. Jacob has 12 sons. And in Exodus, we begin to see the coming out of coming about of the countless seeds of Abraham, more and more people beginning to be born in, into God's people. And, uh, and the, the whole story of Joseph, and then they were in Egypt, and then they were taken out of slavery in Egypt by Moses. And it's like, they're going to come into the land. And God makes a covenant with the people in Sinai. He gives them 10 commandments. This is the way that God is leading. But yet, immediately they rebel and they build an idol as a golden calf and they end up wandering around in the desert for another 40 years and then an entire generation dies before they finally get into the land under the leadership of Joshua and then God takes them in and works mighty miracles in the land in the defeat of their enemies but the Israelites they fail to live up to the to be the holy people that God had given to them to be so God raises up other nations who oppress them and enslave them and when they call out to God, he delivers them, and, he, and they get delivered from people like the judges uh, leading that. But yet the obedience is short-lived, and things get worse and worse and worse. And eventually the Israelites say, will you give us a king? And, but they, they're refusing God's kingship when they're doing that. And so God, in his grace, he gives them a king. He gives them King Saul. Starts off well, starts off humbly, but he's, he submits to God. But soon after, he leaves God's ways. He, he, he does things with earthly wisdom. So God raises up David. David's a man after God's own heart. But things again weren't looking good. He wants to build a house for God. God says, no, you spill blood in war, um, but, but your son will do it. And, uh, and, and, and it, you will have promises coming through your house that will last forever. A descendant of David, uh, the promises of God will come about. Um, but you know, David sins, and, and it causes Israel to spiral downwards again. And, and then David's son, Solomon, he starts off well, and, and maybe he's the one that was spoken about. Maybe he's the descendant who everyone will be blessed through, but, but his many wives encourage him to worship idols. And then he dies, and the kingdom split in two, Judah and Israel. And there were some good kings in Judah, Judah, but mainly bad. There were no good kings in Israel. And both of them were eventually captured by uh, the Israel by the Assyrians in 722, Judah by the Babylonians in 586. They destroyed the temple. It's not looking good. It's not looking good. And the prophets declared judgment against Israel, as well as the other nations. 
but there's hope still. They speak of a glorious hope. They speak of a day when God's kingdom will come and he'll save his people. They speak of a day when God's spirit is going to be poured out and, and his people would keep their law because God's putting it in their hearts. And, and he brings the people back from exile in 536. And, and a new temple's built. But it wasn't as good as Solomon's. And, and some people are rejoicing and others are like weeping because they've seen the first one and they're like, it's not the same. And, and Israel was in a low state spiritually and, and then lots of different powers come in and, and finally the Romans. And so when Jesus started to preach and Jesus comes on the scene and he starts to say the kingdom of God has drawn near to people. People didn't even ask him, what, what do you mean by that, Jesus? They had an idea of what that meant. It was like, this is the time. This is the time when God's going to come through. This is the time when Israel will no longer be subservient. Israel will no longer be oppressed. Israel will no longer be in the minority. God's people will rise up. That's what they were thinking. Jesus is going to rule as an earthly king. The exile will be over. The Romans will be defeated. The new creation will become a, a reality. God's going to pour out his spirit on all people. That's what they expected with Jesus. But it, it, it's not the way it happened. It's not God's way. And that's what John was expecting, and that's why he's so confused. So John, Jesus says to John's disciples, go back, tell him what you've seen and heard. Tell him the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is preached to the poor. Jesus is saying, broaden your view of who I am. Don't try and make me fit your expectation of what I will be like. He, he was reminding John that Isaiah 35 doesn't end with verses 3 and 4. It goes on. And it says, Then will the eyes of the blind be open, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap up like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. You see, John's got part of it, and he's not got the other part of it. And Jesus is saying, I'm at work in all of these things. Even if you don't get it, even if you don't understand it. And he says, blessed are, are those who don't fall away on account of me. Don't let what God is doing cause us to fall away because we don't understand it. That's what, John, that's what Jesus is saying to John. Because God is still fulfilling his purposes. It wasn't in the way they expected. And it still is the same way today. God's at work in unexpected ways. And we know now more than John knew, because that's where John fell in the, in the line of history. But God's story moved on. Jesus died on the cross. Jesus, the Messiah, the great deliverer, the one who was going to bring victory, is on a cross, naked, Ashamed, defeated seemingly. And at that moment of what looks like defeat, despair, hopelessness for all his disciples, he finally defeats the power of sin and death. He bears the fury and wrath of God which was stored up to be poured out on us for our sin. The moment of his seemingly greatest defeat is the moment of his greatest victory. But they don't get it. Even his disciples didn't get it. He told them. They still didn't get it. Two days afterwards, 
on the Sunday. He's miraculously raised to life. And he's back with his disciples. And so in Acts 6, 1 verse 6, he says, they say to him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, is it, now are you going to do it? Now are you going to do what we, we thought you were going to do? And he says, it's not for you to know the dates and times. And then he, has, then he disappears. He goes up to heaven. And they're like, what? What is going on? What is going on? You've just come back from the dead. If anyone was going to take this city, this nation by force, now you are Jesus. And he's gone. We don't get it. We just don't get it. The, spirit, the disciples are left confused, but then the Spirit is poured out. The gospel spread, first among the Jews, then among the Gentiles, uh, through Paul and his companions. People continue to be healed. Demons are cast out. People are raised from the dead. But, but in the midst of that, others are killed. Stephen, killed for his faith. Most of the disciples ended up, the apostles ended up being killed for their faith. He didn't escape. He didn't get raised from the dead. Others suffering persecution. Some miraculously delivered. Read Hebrews. Some put to death by the sword. Together. What's going on? What's going on? But God's kingdom is still advancing. And this has continued throughout 2,000 years of the church. There's periods where there's long years of nothing much happening. And then God breaking out in great revival power. And we're still part of the story. And we're still confused a lot of the time. But God tells us the end of the story. We know it. The final coming of the kingdom will fully occur when Jesus returns and he judges the living and the dead. And then he will rule and reign over all who've come in to the salvation which he's won for them and his relationship. And then there will be no more tears and then there will be no more sickness, no more suffering, no more death because God will be with his people forever. We know the end of the story. So today, we might be like John in darkness. We might be bound up or imprisoned by many things. But today, we've heard the news of God's kingdom advancing. We've heard of the sick being healed. We've heard of marriages being restored. We've heard of people being set free. And it's a sign that God is on the move. And we can be encouraged in that. We can be encouraged together. And it's right that we call out to God and it's right that we continue to mourn with those who mourn. But we have a great hope. So my encouragement to us this morning is the same encouragement Jesus had to John and his disciples. Take hold of what God is doing. Accept it. Believe it. Embrace it. Don't shrink back. Blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of me. We can give in to passivity. We can give in to despair. Or we can believe and act in faith. I mean, maybe you didn't even attend last weekend. And you hear of how marriages have been restored and healings have happened. And you think, oh, maybe that could have been me. Maybe we've just missed out. Maybe we've missed it. Well, in a way, for that weekend, you've missed it. 
It doesn't come back. But, but it's not the end. There's more. God's kingdom is still advancing. God is still at work. And we have to press in to God and take hold of all that he has for us now, today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. We have to run the race. We have to persevere. Even then, it's not a formula. There's no guarantees. But the church is still being built, and the kingdom is still advancing. And so tonight, we're going to meet, and we're going to pray. Come on out. Press in. Come and join us. Be part of it. Put yourself in the way of God. God's at work. For those of us who have heard and been encouraged last week, let's keep pressing in. Let's keep taking hold of the kingdom. Let's not shrink back because summer's coming or for whatever reason. We want to be living out our faith in a vibrant and active way, seeing God's kingdom advance. You, you may have never even known the love of God. You may, you may be here to th- today and have never even known the love of the king. For you, come on in. You can enter in. Jesus made a way. That's what he did on the cross. That moment of seeming defeat that was his greatest victory, he made a way for you. For you. Come on in. Come and join. You know, maybe you're here today and you don't know God and in two weeks' time you're going to be baptized. Maybe. Press on in. You can know him this morning in the same way that Jasmine got to know him last Sunday. And God will be powerfully at work in your life. He's here. Do you know what? Things won't always turn out the way you think they will. Your life won't go the way you think it will. It just won't. It just won't. But God is in control. And you will know God. And we do know the end. And his kingdom will come finally. So let's pray and let's worship. And I'm going to hand you back to to Joe O'Brien. Father God, Father God, I thank you that you're at work. And I thank you that we can be real too. And I thank you that there are times when we, when we just seem as though we're in darkness. And we can see you working, or it seems like you're working in other people's life, but it doesn't seem like you are in ours. And we can struggle with that, Lord. And, and we can ask that question, are you the one? Are you the way, the truth, and the life? You said you were. It doesn't seem like it. God, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you your word shows us. It doesn't give us a false idea. When we get false ideas ourselves, your word shows us your ways. Your word encourages us, even in our dark times. Because you lead people through the dark times. You lead people to the light. You lead people to your kingdom. I pray, God, you will be at work in many, many hearts this morning. I pray you'll bring people to come to know your love for the first time this morning. I pray you will restore people's hope this morning. I pray you will build and restore faith as we step out and worship you, maybe not even feeling it for ourselves, but we just say, do you know what? I know it's true, and I'm going to worship anyway. Lord, thank you. You are God, and we are not, and you have made a way. Amen. 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 Amen.